Hey folks, super quick intro from me here just to uh, promote www.theagship.com. If you are not a subscriber, um, uh, you've certainly heard me give this spiel before. $6 a month gets you the Agship tier, which gets you player features, gets you the weekly preview, gets you the cover story, gets you the game notebook. It's uh, that, That's sort of the entry-level uh, paid tier that will get you access to most of the stories on the egg ship. Uh, the $10 tier, the flagship tier, is for those of you interested in football film, film breakdowns. That gets you the film review, gets you the film preview, right in the film preview today. That will be up um, as you're listening to this, hopefully on, on Friday. will be up later on Friday afternoon. Uh, if you're listening to this on Saturday, it's up now at www.theagship.com. There will be a button at the top of that post that would get you one free month of the flagship tier if you want to try it risk-free, no cost. Uh, that button is also going to be included in the podcast post on the website. It just says one free month. You can click it, sign up. For one free month of the flagship tier, you can read the film review from this past Monday. You can read the film preview of Weber State. Um, sort of just a comprehensive look at some of the, thing, the, thing, the things that they do on offense, on defense, and on special teams even. Um, and uh, you, can, uh, you can get that for the $10 tier. That's the flagship tier, which also would get you access to the weekly depth charts graphic post, as well as the monthly podcast Q&A, which I put out last week, um, open to listener questions, open to subscriber questions every month. Um, all of that being said, I'm going to quickly set up here my interview with Brett Hine of the Standard Examiner in Ogden. Brett covers Weber State football, basketball, everything uh, that there is to cover out there in Ogden. Does a great job. He's the sports editor over at the Standard Examiner, um, and I had a nice chat with him about what you can expect to see from Weber State in this upcoming Saturday's game. Uh, I believe that's about all I have to promote here. I also did a, uh, a story with Brett over at the Standard Examiner, a five questions story that if you are interested, um, you can read at the Standard Examiner. I'll link to that in the post. Uh, I will link as well to Brett's social media and the standard the standard examiner posts. All of that being said, let's uh, jump right into the interview here. Um, so I want to start here with sort of a big picture question. Um, this is a Weber State program with five playoff berths and, and four double digit win seasons in the last six years, but last year was a, a bit of a step back with the the uh, you know tiebreaker leaving them out of the FCS playoff. Um, what is the expectation this season? Is there is this sort of supposed to be a bounce back year, or is there a concern that this might be another closer to six and five season? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that depends on whose perspective you're coming from. So, you know, I think the 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 program itself, the the coaches and the team, they have the same goals every year, which is, you know, obviously they want to win the Big Sky Conference, which they did four years in a row. Um, and then secondary to that is, you know, playoff qualification. That's that's really the in, – in FCS football, that's the that's where the line is drawn pretty much. You know, if you make mm-hmm. the playoffs, you've probably had a, a pretty solid year. Um, uh, 
now where reality hits with that is is the schedule um in in the big sky weber state plays um they play so they're i'm trying to think where they fell but you know in the top the top eight programs uh, as voted by media and coaches in the preseason polls there's weber state and then the other seven and weber state plays all seven of those mm-hmm. you know they they don't really play they only play one of the bottom teams in the conference this year mm-hmm. so the schedule is tough um doesn't help that they that uh they had a late they had to have a late substitution with, with james madison going fbs a year early they had to sub in a division two game last week um, and that doesn't count towards playoff qualification and then you know you you have an fbs game which is is tough so the schedule is really tough they have to they have to play really well to get to a, a record that gets them into the playoffs so mm-hmm. um in that regard it could be a repeat of last year you know it's it's not far-fetched to see that mm-hmm. but at the same time last year the margins are pretty thin as far as what it would have taken for them to get one, one more win, basically, um, to get into the playoffs, or maybe two more wins. So, um, yeah, it it's it could go either way again this year. The, mm. the the coaching staff and the way the program works is, uh, you know, that they are well put together. They know what they're doing. The coaches are, are good coaches. Jay Hill is uh, obviously has proven that he knows how to build a winner. So. But yeah, the the margins are are such that it it could be another six and five, or it could be, you know, where they're right there uh, getting into the playoffs. There's a new offensive coordinator in town in uh, Mickey Mental. Does does he bring anything with him that is sort of a major stylistic change, or is it expected expected to be kind of more of the same here? Uh, it is uh, a, a stylistic change. Um, he definitely has a, a system that. Previous offensive coordinators um, were more inclined to uh, kind of line up with a little more, uh, I don't know, a little more beef, I guess, uh, you know, power formations with the fullback and and, and things. And the previous, uh, you know, the last two seasons, the coordinator uh, kind of did a little bit of everything. Uh, Mickey Mental's system is... Uh, um, you know, well, there are there are personnel groupings in there that mix it up. You know, with a tight end or two tight ends, or you know, are we going four wide receivers? Or you know, there there's some variance there, but the basic is that we, they want to uh, spread the field along the the line of scrimmage, and then just kind of a, apply pressure to the defense wherever the defense will give it. They'll apply that pressure until the defense has to kind of make a choice. You know, do we try and take that away? And, and it's kind of supposed to be a domino effect. And it involves, uh, you know, quick hit passing game. Uh, the run game has to work well for it to work. And then they, they, like, they like to use tempo, uh, you know, no huddle, and, and try and just stack, stack those quick plays on top of each other until, you know, next thing you know, you're, you, you can't stop them, you know, kind of building the momentum. So... Mm. It does look different. Um, the results from week one were were definitely mixed, um, but you know we'll have to see if that was you know first game under a new offense uh, jitters or if there's if there's still some some 
I don't know, execution or personnel type issues mm-hmm. to, to overcome. He's inheriting a, a veteran quarterback experience, quarterback third-year starter in Bronson Barron. Um, what does he bring from that spot? He's a, he's a pretty big body. It seems like he's a capable runner, made some nice throws in week one, uh, has obviously you know been around the block a couple times. Um, what does he bring to the offense, and is there kind of a, obviously this is always a hope, but is there a realistic hope that maybe he's in for a year of improvement after sort of up and down the last two years? Yeah, um, he's been up and down. It's it's really honestly it's been hard to get a feel for a lot of that um, because FCS football played the spring season uh, two seasons ago, mm-hmm. and he he made his debut there and his first game was you know outstanding. He he threw the ball really well, and then ever since then he's kind of had to deal with injuries. Uh, you know, like a hand and wrist, like a broken wrist on his left hand shortly after that. And uh, and he suffered a knee injury a couple games in last fall season. So it's been kind of hard to get a feel for, okay, what's, if the offense is struggling, is it, you know, is this health related? Is it inexperience? Is it the scheme or the play calling? Uh, You know, all of that, or is it all of it combined? So, um, you know, he's with a new offense. It's a seems to be built maybe a, better to allow him success with what his you know strengths are. Um, you know, getting him uh, you know connections to receivers that are easy to make, and then then you know take shots downfield when when you can. Uh, just more simple, I guess, is is how you'd put it. It's supposed to be more simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he at least has an opportunity here to to step up and do it and show like, yeah, I am, I am the guy, you know, and there's a reason why I've been, you know, chosen as a starter. Yeah. Um, Cause it's kind of been hard to get a feel for that over the last two seasons. Uh, there's just been so much going on. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's the hope is that the, the offense that's supposed to be simple and direct, you know, like you line up, you make this play, you know, you read this, you read this one or two routes, you make your read, throw the ball, and then you line up again. Um, that's the hope is that that, uh, that will allow him to, to rise up and, and become a little more of a difference maker than, than the passing game has been mm-hmm. in the last couple seasons. He has Ty McPherson back out wide, but uh, who, who else is sort of stepping up out there to take over with the, the loss of uh, Rashid Shahid, who was the, the leading receiver for yards last season? Yeah, um, that's that's definitely been one of the storylines. Is just how young uh, the the receivers group is. Um, so as far as receivers and, and I guess pass catching goes, uh, the the tight ends are, are experienced. Hayden Meacham and Justin Malone um, should theoretically get more targets, and I, w- I would envision that that's that part of the passing game to develop a little more be kind of a reliable go-to for Bronson Barron. Um, outside of that, um, it's just a little bit of everything right now. Uh, it's still one of those things that's being filled out. Um, Hayes Hadley in the slot, he's five foot seven. He's definitely a small dude, but he's quick and he's skilled. He had 131 punt return yards last, last week. Um, he can, 
uh, he can get free in the pass game and, and make some make some plays. And then um, the other guy who who looked really well in week one uh, in the targets that he got was Jacob Sharp. Mm. Um, he's a sophomore from California who uh, first couple years he was like a receiver and then they moved him to defensive back and now he's back at receiver uh, or something like that. Um, but he he caught two balls last week for for some good games and he, he was athletic and quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would imagine that that would be someone that they'd want to go to more often, uh, given what he showed last week. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at halfback in the running game, just about, seems like just about everybody is back, but two of last year's top rushers, Chris Jackson and Dante McMillan weren't super involved last weekend. What is the, what is the story there? Um, yeah, the story is there's just a ton of guys and I've, that's going to be something they're going to have to figure out every every week probably is how to keep everyone involved because um, there's just a lot of guys that are, are you know, fairly good. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Jackson is probably going to – he's a big dude. He's probably going to be uh, used like he was in 2019, which is kind of like short yardage and, and like red zone. Uh, like 2019, he – I don't he only ran for probably 350 yards, but he had 10 touchdowns. Um, so he's kind of your, uh, uh, red zone type back mm-hmm. and someone that they also sometimes put in there as a fullback with someone else in short yardage. And then, um, Dante McMillan is a little bit of a different story. He's, He's, uh, I, I couldn't tell you exactly why he didn't get more touches last week other than that just there's maybe not enough touches to go around. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, an ex, uh, skilled, explosive running back who has shown that he can be the guy uh, in the spring season last year. He, he ran for like 130 yards in one quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Southern Utah, they were really struggling and were going to get beat and uh, they put him in and started feeding him the ball and, and he basically won him the game. So, um, that, that's, that's something that we'll have to develop. Um, cause Josh Davis and Damon Bankson are, are the top two guys on the depth chart right now. And, and it seems as of now they're going to get the, the bulk of the carries, uh, at least they did last week. Mm-hmm. This is a, uh, I would say, a very big offensive line for really any team, but especially at the FCS level, you don't see a lot with this kind of size. Um, is this a group that you are, are high on that you think fits this offense, or are they a little bit maybe oversized for what they're trying to do? Yeah, I mean, they could be. Uh, it's It's been a little bit difficult to diagnose exactly why they're not haven't been better at run blocking or pass protection. Um, it's It's been kind of what happened last week was similar to what happened all last season uh, for Weber State, which is um, the plays where, you know, there were a few too many plays where there just weren't quite as good a run, run lanes as there should have been or maybe a little bit too much pressure on the quarterback. And then on the plays, the pass plays at least, pass plays that are blocked well and there's time and, and whatever, and then, uh, you know, missed uh, time throw or uh, inaccurate throw or, you know, what have you. So it's just kind of it's pretty disconnected. 
And the offensive line can uh, do a lot to fix that if they can uh, figure out how to run block just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the that's kind of the always the <laughs> the the thing in football. That's your foundation. If you can run the football, everything else is uh, is easier to do and uh, takes pressure off your quarterback and all that. So, yeah, I mean they they've got good players. You know, Noah Tongi at, at left tackle is. Uh, is a mountain. He's and he can move his feet. Um, and they're trying to bring along a couple of guys who are a little inexperienced uh, on the inside. But um, yeah, that's that's definitely going to be key for for Weber State. And you know the competition only gets harder. Obviously, last week's theoretically the uh, the easiest opponent they'll they'll have played. So. Uh, they'll have to figure that out against some some good competition going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, moving to the other side of the trenches, this defensive line is very young, seemingly still kind of up in the air. Um, is there a player or players there who have really established themselves this fall, or is it sort of a by committee approach this this season? Yeah, so the the established guys are the tackles, and the by committee and seeing what they've got are the ends. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it ends, they lost Logan Latui, transferred to BYU, and George Tarlis was just an unstoppable force at this level. He transferred to Boise State and is their starting. He's a starter for them. Um, and so what's been what's left is definitely a bunch of youth. There's you know junior college transfer and Shad Pulsifer, and then just a bunch of young guys. Um, so yeah, that's. That's definitely where they're trying to figure things out, see who can step up and make plays. Um, they did not record any sacks last week, which was a little uh, little surprising. And a lot of the pressure and, and hurries and things that they got came from the interior. Um, uh, just uh, a bunch of Utah dudes in the middle, Khaleesi Moli, uh, Sione Wapawaho, and Doug Shees, Um They've all, they've all been there and done that and, and proven how good they are. Uh, you know, Western Oregon had negative uh, 34 rushing yards last week. So <laughs> um, the guys in the middle, they know what they're doing. And, and Zeke Birch, uh, you, you asked if, if there's a guy making plays. Zeke Birch is a sophomore on the interior. He, he's been talk, spoken highly of in camp and – Came out and showed that last week. He he disrupted a lot of plays in the middle. So, uh, yeah, uh, kind of a work in progress on the outside, trying to see who can step up and and be a guy who can make some plays for him. I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the the pass rush not really getting home a ton in in week one. It was something that I noticed in watching the game and. Uh, it seemed like the only time that there was significant pressure was on, you know, six or seven man pressure packages. And, and those seemed to really not be super useful because the, it was just a, a complete to pass pretty much every time they ran him, it looked like, um, it, what is there a, uh, is there a concern there about like, uh, who's going to be able to, to, you know, pressure the passer and, and, uh, help the secondary out a little bit. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it, it's a lot to ask of your tackles to be, you know, to stop the run game like they did and provide the pass, you know, pressure in the passing game, uh, which is what happened um, <laughs> last week. 
because um, yeah, that's been that's been key to their defensive success the last few years. I mean, that's what Weber State has been for you know five six years running. Uh, there's only been one year in there where their their offense is particularly above average and and uh, consistently, you know, part of the winning formula, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, from week to week. And that's been something that's been key to the defense uh, and how good they are defensively is they've had defensive ends who, who supply that pressure. You know, Jonah Williams, is, he made the Rams 53-man roster this year. Um, you know, guys like that um, are, are important to, to what they do because Weber State plays, they play man coverage on the back end. Mm-hmm. They've got a bunch of really good corners and safeties and you know they're really really good but you know if if the quarterback has all day to throw you're eventually going to get you know it's going to be a death by a thousand paper cuts basically you know you can only do so much on the back end to stop the pass game if if the quarterback's comfortable so uh, yeah that's that's going to be something that, that they'll need to figure out and you know Logan Bonner is is a a guy who's shown that he can definitely uh you know, definitely make things happen and, and make all the throws. So uh, this week specifically, Weber State will have to have to find find a little bit of an answer if they want to uh, stay competitive. Yeah, U- Utah State and Logan Bonner are certainly not uh, not new to death by a thousand paper cuts. That is, <laughs> that sounds right up his alley. Um, <laughs> the the, uh, the linebackers here are also seemingly fairly new to the starting lineup. Guys who have played before but are stepping into larger roles. Um, but there seems to be, from from reading your story specifically, it seems like you have a little bit more confidence there than on the the defensive line. Why is that? Um, yeah, just just. The guys that are there have consistently had more reps over the last few seasons, even though they haven't been starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just a lot more game experience uh, from like Winston Reed and, and Raul Johnson um, and uh, Spencer New to Baja. So those are that's basically why is those guys have seen more action more consistently in games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whether that's through injury or, you know, if Weber State's typically been a good team, so when they play the not-so-great teams in the Big Sky, usually those guys can get quite a bit of reps, you know, yeah. play play your entire second half or whatever against some of the lesser teams in the conference. So um, the, the guys on defensive end... Um, they went from being really, really deep to not deep at all because of those two transfers. And then they had another guy who got a lot of reps last season who's who's hurt and out uh, indefinitely right now. So, so yeah, those are just guys that, um, you know, they they came up through the system, you know, special teams and and getting reps against, you know, second half reps and blowouts or just different things like that who. Uh, or even, you know, got reps against in competitive games as well, mm-hmm. uh, as the situation is called. They just have a lot more experience. Gotcha. 
Um, you, you alluded to this. It, it seems like the strength of the defense is in the secondary, of a very proven, very strong secondary. Um, how do you expect the uh, second-year co-coordinators, Grant Duff and Joe Dale, to sort of highlight that group and, and lean into that strength, which is, as you mentioned, kind of different for, for this defense, not a defense that has been traditionally as reliant on a, on a great secondary and, and is used to having more of a, a pass rush? How are they adjusting to that? Yeah, so it's it's just kind of a more of a complete picture in years past than it has because this group has been good for you know three seasons running. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mark Mark Collins is the oldest and he won't be available this week, but um, him and Camden Garrett and Maxwell Anderson and Eddie Hecker uh, three seasons ago they all they were basically all just put out there on the field as freshmen or redshirt freshmen. And, uh, you know, that's what they had. So, and, you know, these are guys they liked in recruiting, but, you know, that's pretty scary to put that many freshmen out there in your, in your secondary. Um, but they did it and they were great. Um, and they've been great, uh, you know, ever since. So I don't think that necessarily the pressure, I don't think they feel that pressure because of that, just because they were already put out there, uh, as freshmen to go do that. Um, uh, just more of a complete picture of what a what a an elite defense looks like. Uh, is you've got to have all those components from uh, from front to back. So that's kind of more what they're answering because they've they've spent you know the last several years you know having the best defense in the Big Sky, and that's carried them quite quite a ways in most seasons. So uh, yeah, the the back end guys are are really good. Um, you know, Maxwell Anderson made some really good plays last week, uh, had two interceptions. And um, and then uh, Desmond Williams is their, their starter at free safety. He's a transfer from Boise State who's been uh, outstanding when he's on the field. He's had some injury issues, but anytime he's on the field, he's around the ball. He's forcing fumbles, causing fumbles, interceptions. He's just always around the ball. So that's a group that they that they're pretty confident in. Um, they're just hoping that they don't have to, you know, take most shoulder most of the uh, responsibility, I guess, of, of for succeeding. Yeah, um, this is also a program that has, from what I have seen, a pretty strong tradition under under Jay Hill of good special teams play, very good special teams play at, at, at times, and, you know, something that they seem to take a lot of pride in. Week one saw several of, of uh, you know, big special teams plays. Uh, is that expected to stick around this season? Is this expected to be another one of these these groups that can make plays like that, block some punts, maybe return some punts, return some kickoffs? Um, or was that more of a, uh, a Western Oregon issue? Because it seemed like, I mean, a couple of those fumbles were, were the, the punts were, you know, fumbled at the snap and things like that. Yeah, so that's uh, specific to last week. Western Oregon did have some self-inflicted wounds for sure. Um, to answer your overall question, yes, that's that's always going to be a focus of, of Weber State's teams with Jay Hill. Uh, when he was uh, a good portion of his time, when he was on University of Utah staff, he was special teams coordinator, and that's kind of something he's brought and instilled in whoever's involved in, in running special teams at Weber State. Um, they've always had really good punters who, um, you know, know how to combine 
uh, you know, the, the big booming kicks with the directional kicks and, and how to how to leverage the field to, to limit returns and things like that. Um, and then uh, just in general, there's there's also been a flair for fakes. Mm-hmm. Um, they will pull out fake punts and field goals uh, at any moment, first quarter, fourth quarter. Uh, they're pretty. <laughs> they can be get pretty free, freewheeling with those, and it makes it a lot of fun. And they're almost always successful at, at those play calls, um, for whatever reason. The, the combination of the timing and the design of what they do almost always works. Um, so uh, they they didn't technically run any fakes last week, um, and then. Uh, so you mentioned the, some bad punt snaps from Western Oregon. Uh, Maxwell Anderson, who had the two interceptions, he did block a punt and was returning it for a touchdown. Um, but the the play was called dead. Mm-hmm. The, the ref said that the the punter put his knee down. Huh. He was collecting the collecting the snap. Um, didn't didn't really see that. It looked like a mostly clean exchange there, but. He took the ball right off the punter's foot and, and had it, you know, had a touchdown. So that is something that they're gonna they're gonna be doing. That's that's always, um, you know, some some programs, special teams. It's just kind of something that you have to do, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Weber State's definitely that's definitely part of their plan to win football games is uh, finding an extra first down or an extra turnover through the course of a game that can hopefully help you win that game. Mm-hmm. Plus, uh, uh, plus there's a return game, which, uh, you know, they've, they graduated Rashid Shahid, who's as far as touchdowns go, the best kick returner in FCS history. Mm-hmm. And one of, one of the best in division one history. Um, you know, so the, the kick return game, you know, may or may not be as lethal, but, uh, we saw last week the punt, with punt returns that, uh, you know, they, they spent most of the game with short fields and didn't really rack up a ton of yards because all those yards were gained in, in the punt return uh, instead of on offense. So mm-hmm. um, that's a very long-winded way to say yes. Uh, that's very still very much a focus and, and something Utah State fans can, can watch out for, mm-hmm. especially uh, when it comes <laughs> when it comes to the, the fakes, the – uh, it seems they seem to have a never-ending list of fakes that they can go to uh, when they need. So it makes it fun, makes it exciting, and that's definitely a part of what Weber State wants to do. Yeah, they 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 run enough uh, special teams fakes that Blake Anderson mentioned it unprompted this week in his uh, his press conference. So I, I would guess that that is uh, that is at the front of the minds in uh, in the the Utah State building. Um, what do you see as sort of the the Weber State path to victory or a, a very competitive game here? What is the uh, what's the blueprint for this week? Yeah, yeah. Um... So yeah, the blueprint is it's got to be. I mean, uh, you know, I'd like to say that the the offense is is making strides and ready to go, but we just haven't quite seen uh, enough proof that that things are better yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the plan is going to have to be defense and special teams, just like it was um, 
you know, a few years ago they lost six nothing at San Diego State, and same year they played at Nevada and uh, were in the game. They led for most of the first half and were in the game uh, to the end. So, and those those were all based on uh, you know defense. Uh, the San Diego State game was more of a rock fight. It was just basically, I don't even think there was a turnover in that game. It was just two defenses just completely <laughs> controlling the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Nevada, Weaver State created a lot of turnovers and, and made Nevada racked up a bunch of yards between the 20s and then uh, couldn't finish the job or turn the ball over a bunch. So that's if if Weber State has a chance in this game, that's where it's going to come from. I think that's just historically how Weber State's had to do things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, there is some maybe possibility to account for the fact that the offense didn't try to do a ton last week because they didn't have to. You know, maybe they held some things back, um, which is always possible, but mm-hmm. they, they also have enough to clean up that um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's enough to add to a scheme or, or whatever to, to you know make that be the difference maker against a team like Utah State because they've they've got a few things to clean up just as far as the basics go, uh, to to be uh, you know a unit that will can help the team be successful. Mm-hmm. What is your uh, your personal sort of expectation or, or prediction for this? You don't have to do a score. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but uh, what are you expecting to see this Saturday? Uh, it's hard to say because, you know, Utah State feels like the team, you know, I, I don't know if this is still just remembering too much from last year, but uh, they still feel like a team. They did it against UConn once or twice where, um, you know, they get the ball and it's just, um, you know, one successful play after another, you know, eight yards, 10 yards, 15 yards, and, uh, you know, throw in one explosive play in there and, mm-hmm. you know, you've driven the length of the field in, in five plays. Um, and they still feel like a team that can do that. So, um, you know, I, I can see Weber State hanging in. Utah State still feels like they're trying to figure some things out offensively. So, you know, I can see a scenario where, you know, there's kind of a low-scoring uh, low scoring game where all you need is one or two big plays or a big turnover, a big special teams return, and all of a sudden, you know, it's a game in the fourth quarter. Um but talent-wise, I mean, just top to bottom, Utah State is obviously they're they're going to be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they have more scholarships. They they have seemed to recruit pretty well uh, in the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, it's I know that's kind of wishy-washy, but I I mean, I I it's not outrageous to say you expect Utah State to win. I think the kind of some of the betting lines that have been out there, which are kind of easy go-to predictors, have seemed kind of low to me. Um, you know, I, Weber State could play well and not get blown out and still lose by, you know, 10 to 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that would be a good scenario for Weber State. I think that would be a good week for them. Um, I Just because of some of the 
the issues offensively, I would be surprised if Weber State is ready to make a game like this, uh, you know, a wire-to-wire fight, uh, mm-hmm. I guess is maybe the easiest way to put it. Um, this, like I said before, they've done it before because the defense has been so good mm-hmm. and they do enough on special teams to really make things frustrating for their FBS opponents. Um, but at some point, the offense has to step up and, and make plays. So mm-hmm. I, w- I would anticipate Utah State, you know, um, you know, probably winning by, you know, a couple touchdowns mm-hmm. um, just as a general feel for uh, how I see the game going. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. These are uh, the, these teams are really fun to predict right now because I don't think we know a single thing about either of them, other than the players who are on the team <laughs> and the coaches on the staff. It's uh, and then the next thing I learn about Utah State or Weber State this season will be the first. Um, yeah, la- like well, you, uh, just for your listeners, uh, you you answered some questions for me to post on, uh, on our website, and that's one of the things we talked about with Utah State. Weber State only has one a one game sample against the D two school. I don't know how much they tried to do, and and then Utah State went to Alabama, and you know I don't I don't know what you can expect or or learn from that other than that Alabama is just amazingly good, and yeah. Utah State's not going to be the only team that looks like that against them this year. So yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot to learn for both sides for sure. Yeah. A lot of similarities between Weber State playing a D2 team and Alabama playing Utah State, I think. That's, uh, I think that's going to be the case for about 125 teams at the, the FBS level this season. Um, all right, la- last one here. Uh, you have earned it. Where can people find your stuff? Where can people follow you um, if, uh, if they want more Weber State stuff? Uh, yeah, best place is on Twitter, at WeberHQ is where I am on Twitter. Uh, and then in, anything I write goes on the website for the Standard Examiner, which is uh, just standard.net. And uh, like I said, I'll get that. I'll get my Q&A with you up there. And, uh, I'll have a little thing about the uh, the Meacham brothers uh, coming up here, hopefully later today, as, as we speak, at least on a Thursday. Um, Utah State offensive lineman Wade. And Weber State tight end Hayden uh, Meacham, uh, our brothers, and they may or may not get to face off one on one this week. So, mm-hmm. just some of the some of the fun things. And uh, yep, that's where you can find it. Yep, I will have uh, I will have links to all of that stuff in the description of this episode. Brett, thank you so much again for your time. It's uh, greatly appreciated. This was, I think, very uh, hopefully informative for for. Utah State fans looking ahead to uh, looking ahead to this game. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's always it's exciting to have college football underway, and, and uh, like we said, we we're both covering teams where there's a lot to learn, and uh, a lot of that's kind of exciting. So hopefully, hopefully we'll keep seeing what these teams are about, and we'll get a good game on Saturday.